Hello and welcome back to Beyond Boards, a podcast dedicated to the actions and interests of skaters beyond skateboarding. My guest today, Aram Saba, grew up and started skating in Ramallah in the West Bank of Palestine. In 2013, he crossed paths with Charlie Davis, founder of NGO SkatePal, which works with local communities to build skate parks and provide skateboarding lessons and equipment to young people across the West Bank. He quickly became a volunteer and skate teacher, and after completing his BA in Tunisia in 2019, he became the local manager for SkatePal in Ramallah, overseeing all on-the-ground operations. In the summer of 2022, Aram traveled to Malmö, Sweden, and was surprised by his good friend Victor Telegen, who turned him pro for his eyewear and watch brand CHPO. So here's my conversation with Aram. I hope you'll enjoy it. Thank you so much again for taking some time to do this. Really appreciate it. So I don't know if you've ever listened to uh, some of my uh, interviews, but I, I usually start with the same question with every guest, which is, uh, how did you find skateboarding? And um, I'm particularly curious to know how you found skateboarding as you grew up in Palestine. And I'm sure growing up, you probably didn't see much skateboarding on the streets or in your immediate environment. So yeah, can you tell me about how you started skating, basically? Um... You know, even though we don't have skateboarding or like we haven't encountered skateboarding in the streets or like parks or anything, I watched Ninja Turtles. So okay. Skateboarding in that. Uh, Simpsons, Bart Simpson. Mm-hmm. Just a couple animations and like you can see sometimes like an ad or like a commercial on YouTube or something like someone is skating. So I've, I've always wanted to do like X Games, uh, BMX or anything. Cool. So I tried roller skaters, I tried BMX and I was like... I think in sixth grade, a friend of mine gave me a skateboard. Okay. It was like no fear. I never tried it, never skated it, put it aside in my room. And like in 2012, I was maybe 11th grade. Mm -hmm. uh, a friend of mine asked me if, uh, if I have a skateboard and he wants to buy one. So I sold him mine. And after a week of me seeing him skating, I got jealous. <laughs> I, saw, I saw him really having fun on it. So I was like, can I try? Okay. And I like give you back some money and for it and we can share it and he's like yeah sure so we started oh, skating okay. so you were sharing you were sharing that board yeah we shared it for almost like three months okay then a friend of ours saw us skating the same board and like we painted it and like we just like because we don't you can't buy skateboards around here so we just like thought about painting the board with uh paints like spray paint Right, right. Which we didn't know grip tapes. We didn't know anything. So we spray painted the grip tape and it just got fucked. Ah, <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> friend of ours saw us and he's like, I have a board, you can have it. And he gave us a, a board and it was a legit board. It was like proper trucks, proper wheels, proper deck and grip tape and everything. Cool. And I remember it was like 7 point. It was not 7.75. It was like less. 7.5 probably or something. Oh, super skinny really board. Small. Yeah. Okay. But we were like we were flying from happiness, and, <laughs> and yeah, we started skating. Never stopped since. It felt natural. It felt nice. It felt something that I should have been doing since ever. Mm -hmm. So, how old were you at that point? Like uh, in your early teenage years, like twelve, thirteen. I was probably thirteen, fourteen, fourteen maybe. Okay. And so I guess there weren't probably many like uh, sports uh, shops or stuff like that where you could uh, access uh, boards or equipment. So how did how did you manage to get some boards or some equipment uh, after that very first board? Yeah, so the shop sports centers we had, they sold skateboards, the cheap ones, the uh -huh. really, really bad ones. They're not even Walmart boards, they're shittier. Mm -hmm. So I didn't buy one and I was like, this is not, doesn't seem legit, I don't want this. Yeah. And I kept looking and trying to find a nearby skate shop. And it happens to be there's skate shops in the occupied territory of Palestine inside what's so-called Israel. Uh -huh. And I didn't want to buy from there. I don't want to like support them or like do anything. Yeah, I understand. So I kept looking. I found there's a guy called Mohammed Zakaria. He's mm -hmm. like one of the OG skaters in Jordan. Okay. And by that, like in 2012, 13, 14, he had a board company called Philadelphia Boards. Mm -hmm. and he had decks and grip tape and wheels he didn't have any trucks in his board company but those, he sold these and they were up in Jordan okay. so I decided to save up money because you have to pay for the borders you have to pay for the travel and everything mm 
Mm-hmm. My father helped me a bit, and my mom supported me. And I saved up a bit, and I went to Jordan. I bought the first skateboard of mine from there. Cool. Um, also, before that, no, I went and I bought one, and I had one. Then we met Charlie after six months of skating. Charlie Davis. From the family Skate, skate, pop. skate pop. Yeah. yeah, exactly. We met him. We were skating in the streets. Uh, there was a, like a guy called Milos. Mm-hmm. He's from Lithuania. And he was like randomly in Palestine skating. Okay. Like he used to work with an NGO and he was skateboarding. And he told us like there's a guy who's building a mini ramp. You should go check it out. And we immediately went there. And we met Charlie and his brother Jack. Oh, okay. And when we met him, we already had boards. And we told him like if there's anything that we can help, just let us know. Like we can... We want to be part of whatever the fuck you're doing, man. Yeah. Like you're <laughs> a ramp and nobody, like, it was really surprising because nobody knew what skateboarding is and people would look at it, like, weirdly. So we yeah. found something. And since then, man, Charlie and Scape have been, like, supporting us and supporting the scene really, yeah. like, effortlessly, man. It's really hard to get things in without, like, being normalized with the other side. Like, you know, like, to, like, cut through all the Israeli bullshit and everything. It's really hard to break boards. I'm sure, yeah. But they managed, like, Charlie managed to get us bored every now and then. Every time he came to Palestine, like, from 2013 almost to, like, 2015-16, before I left for studying, he always brought boards with him mm-hmm. for everyone. And because we were teaching and, like, volunteering with him, he gave us, like, boards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to ask you about Skate Pal for sure, but um, I just had a, another question about growing up, and I was just wondering, like, what were maybe some of the very first uh, skate videos or, or, like, magazines that you managed to get your hands on while you were growing up? Do you remember maybe your first skate video that you saw? Or? Um, it's going to be sounding lame, but it was Ryan Sheckler. <laughs> I forgot the part name. Maybe the Almost video or something like that? or I th- think so in one of the first first ever cds that i had my hands on uh-huh. and it was like a part part it was uh cheese and crackers oh yeah yeah that's a good one yeah i had cheese crackers and also i had uh, man i really suck at names i forgot the <laughs> names of the it's really well known it's the sean malto and eric costin oh uh, a, gr- a girl video maybe or Gear video, yeah. The one with the firecrackers and like the fucking drone, the first one. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty sweet. Pretty sweet. I had that as well. Yeah, that's right. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's a good videos. Yeah, sick. Yeah. So yeah, you just mentioned Skate Pal. So I guess you met Charlie and his friends. You were just getting started skating, right? You hadn't been skating for very long at that point. No, I've been skating almost for like half a year less and... We stumbled upon Charlie and his brother Jack. Yeah. He had like a couple of friends with him who helped him build the mini ramp, but left and only Jack and Charlie were there. And okay. we went there, met Charlie and Jack. And yeah, instantly just start being friends with him. He really was like really nice man back then. Still nice, not yeah, nice, yeah. but like the way he acted with us was like just like he didn't act as if we we're like fourteen years old. Like he took us took us as skateboarders, took us yeah. like a people like who want like, to support and have responsibility upon. And so was SkatePal already a thing or was he just uh, traveling to Palestine and the NGO wasn't started yet? Do you remember if it existed already or? Charlie used to come to Palestine a lot. Uh-huh. Um, he used to even teach English in the, in the university in Janine. Okay. So he had been familiar with Palestinians in Palestine. I think when he made the ramp, He had Skate Pal as a name, as an entity, but not fully working as an NGO. Okay. So, yeah, I'm not really sure, sure, but I think it was signed, like, already as an entity, as, in, like, uh, papers and everything, but was not actually working as an NGO, NGO. Okay. Then we started doing the classes, helping the kids, teaching, and a couple months after it, I think then it started to become more official and, like, to think about how to do things, and he saw how youth are just really into skateboarding in a way that it's amazing you know like mm-hmm. it showed that if there was an organization or something that supports this thing it's going to be successful or at least it's going to be a really good help for the scene to start things there was a lot of potential for skateboarding in yeah. palestine yes potential interest and you can see it you know it's not yeah. like something like you're not sure like you can see it instantly like there's passion there's people who love it yeah yeah, yeah for sure and yeah So this uh, very first ramp that you just mentioned, that was in your hometown in Ramallah? 
Uh, my hometown is a small village in Jenin, next to Jenin, called Burkin. Okay. We have the fourth oldest church in the world. Really? In Burkin. Wow. Yes. Jesus was healing people from leper or something like that, like the white disease or itching. I don't know. I'm not sure. Anyways, <laughs> that's my hometown. But I was born and raised in Ramallah. Okay. And the main ramp is in Ramallah. It was in a youth center called Sharik. Okay. And so that was where the first uh, skate park or skate obstacle was built for Skate Pal, right? Yes. It was in Sharik Youth Center in 2013. Okay. And then in the following years, uh, Skate Pal opened up different locations uh, around Palestine, right? Around the West Bank? Yes. You helped out a lot with that, I'm sure. By then I was traveling tried to get my diploma in Tunisia and North Africa. So I was, we started doing things 2013, summer. Then we continued 2014, 15. I left for studying in college abroad. I was 17 years old. Okay. And by then, a skate park, like a small skate park DIY spot, which like, it was the first time skate park doing anything. Charlie, Theo, all of us, like start the first time we actually do a project like this. We didn't know a lot of things. And it kind of didn't hit off, didn't like work out because also the measurements of the parks and the obstacles were not right. Okay. Um, we didn't think about, ah, oh, after you build a skate park, you should put boards and you should teach. Mm-hmm. We didn't have that mentality. We just thought if you do a skate park, things will go. And actually, no, if you do a skate park, you need to have classes, you need to have boards, yeah. you need to have yeah. leadership, you need to uh, like plant the seed of responsibility, plant yeah, the seed yeah, of yeah. like a community. And we learned instantly. So we did Asira up in Nablus called Rosa Park. Yep. And we did that. We did that with every patient, with every step, with every caution, intention to everything we do. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, it really, like, it's really good. Now everybody in Asira's caves, everybody goes there. Everybody loves the park. People from all around Palestine come to see the park. It's on a nice hill. There's a view. There's a sunset is beautiful. It's a really good park. Then we did the Jayus Park, uh-huh. next to Kalkilia. Okay. I think uh, the nice park with the view that you mentioned, I think I saw footage of you skating there, right? Uh... Yes, I skate that park the most, because it's, it's closer than the other ones. It's hour and 15 minutes, that's the closest one. Oh, so... damn, yeah. It's still quite a long drive, yeah. Yeah, but it's worth it. I yeah, spend oh, the for day sure. There, yeah, for... And is that mini ramp, the initial mini ramp, is it still there, or is it gone by now? No, it's gone, man. Okay. It was gone by the second year. Oh, really? Oh, damn. Yeah. Why, why was it uh, taken away? Because the youth center didn't appreciate it much. They didn't appreciate how skateboarding is, you know, because it was just like starting you. Yeah. And they thought it's a space being taken. Why wouldn't shape? Uh, okay. Why would we leave it? So we finished the first course. We mm-hmm. skated a bit after the course. Then we came back because we had a pause in winter. We came back. And we saw it like demolished, like they fucking take it away. They taken it down. They didn't tell us, they didn't tell Charlie, they didn't tell anyone. Just like they fucking demolished it and put it aside. Mm-hmm. So we stayed there, did another obstacles. We did the grind box, kicker and a quarter pipe. Okay. And we gave classes again and we still did it. Like we reused the wood that they took and bought new wood and did all that. And did another, another summer of like classes and everything. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah. So were you involved in um, like doing the classes since the very beginning or that first summer where you met with uh, Charlie and everybody, were you just like a participant or were you since the no. beginning involved in like teaching and... It happened to be as soon as they finished the ramp, like literally, they finished the mini ramp. The next day, me and Adham, my friend that I told you about that, he started skating. Right, yeah. Me and Adham, we went to the mini ramp and they just finished it. So when we, we met Charlie, he told us like he's thinking about doing classes. He might need some help in Arabic and in English. Mm-hmm. And we were like, we're speaking English like really good. My English now is a bit not good, but... No, it's, really, it's, it's perfect, yeah. So yeah, we started the beginning with him. Like from the very start, early classes, we didn't participate. We just skated as leaders, you know, just like, right. we don't know how much how to skate as well. Like we, we barely do a kickflip, you know, but he just, he just had a trust in us and he's just like, yeah, fuck it, go for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I guess it was a it was a good uh, good thing to get you involved um, super young yeah. and and uh, because yeah it's a good model what SkatePal has and what Skatistan has been also doing to like train so to speak to actually have people local people run the the whole thing uh, instead of just having it run by uh, volunteers that come for a month or two or something so it's the more durable um, process so yes. it was definitely yes. a better better way to approach this. So you mentioned uh, you went to study in Tunisia for a little bit, right? For a few years? Yeah. Where exactly in Tunisia were you living, actually? I was living in the capital, in Tunis. Right, okay. And what were you studying uh, over there? Cinema, speciality editing. Oh, okay, cool. M montage. Montage, yeah, yeah. Well, I had one year French before I oh, started okay. uh, three years diploma. It was really nice. I got to meet a lot of good fucking people there, man best fucking crew i built up like a really good friendship with them mm -hmm. and in palestine we didn't have like still till now you don't have that crew crew you know because still now in palestine there's like a bunch of skaters but like everyone is in, in a city you know there's like two of us spread it out in the cities and you can't really link up every fucking day but in tunisia oh, yeah. man the skate scene is like remind me at home skate scene is a bit like scattered but They don't have much parks, they don't have any skate shops. They go through fucking struggle day to day in Tunis of how the city is and how the country is. And the skaters, they're fucking radical, man. They're fucking nice, sick people. Mm -hmm. I love them. They're still my crew. I still speak to them, still hang out whenever I go to Tunis. I want to go back there. Yeah, so you, you really enjoyed it out there. Yeah, man, I advise everyone to go to Tunis. I advise everyone for a trip, <laughs> a skate trip, especially if not a skate trip. Just go there, see the place. It's heaven on earth. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Must be beautiful, yeah. So you were out there for a few years, and were you coming back to Palestine regularly, and were you still involved with SkatePal throughout your studies, or...? Yeah, I came back almost every summer. Okay. And every summer, there's classes and everything. I came back for two months or a month, month and a half, two months, every time. Okay. And every time I came back, I helped out in the classes, skated with the volunteers, skated with everyone and just gave a hand in the classes especially like coming from studying you just like give all your shit like you just i'll be really excited to go to the class and teach kids mm -hmm. and so after you finished studying you started uh, working as a local manager for SkatePal in ramallah as we mentioned you were already involved with them a lot but uh that was like your first like official so to speak uh, position for SkatePal. yes 2019 i spoke to charlie told him i'm gonna finish I'm coming back, what can I help with and what should I do? And he was like, you know what, we can offer you a, like a job to be employee with us. Mm -hmm. And if you want it, you can have it. And I was like, yeah, fuck you, why not? Mm -hmm. And either ways, we're doing the same shit. Why not get paid for it? Yeah, <laughs> might as well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but um, I was really privileged that they trust me, I guess, and with all this to come back and actually work with them. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It's really nice. It's really good. So from what I saw on the website, on SkatePal's website, you're the local manager. But what does that mean exactly? Like, are you in charge of running, like, the entire operations for SkatePal? What, what exactly are your, like, your duties, so to speak? It's almost as, like, managing the things on ground. Like, if we have a project on ground, I need to, like, make it work. You know how to do it, like, plan it and mm -hmm. just, like, get things going. In Palestine, sometimes things go really slow or easy, but like you have to go hard on it. Make sure we have enough boards split between the parks and classes in Ramallah. Mm -hmm. uh, make sure that the volunteers have an apartment. Uh, make sure that like, they have their shit right, like uh, gas, electricity, just keeping up with them. All the logistics, uh, yeah. Exactly, all the logistics of the volunteers. Also, like spreading the boards and everything, like overseeing if anyone who can buy a board, we sell a board too. It's like a really cheap price. And who can't afford it, we just give it for free. And just like to make sure they have it, make sure yep. they keep skating. You know, just general stuff as well. Just like being me, but with a title, I guess. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're like, we're gonna do the same thing anyways. But with the help of SkatePal, we made it a bit faster and we- More organized and-, and Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
So tell me, how, how is the skate scene now in Palestine? So you said you've been skating for 10 years, volunteering, and now working for SkatePal for almost as long. And so yeah. how has it evolved? How many locations do you have skate parks in? How many students do you have classes for? Like, how much has it uh, grown, basically? It's grown more, of course. People start now, like, random people just buy the Walmart boards, and you just, like... I'm surprised that I see skaters in the streets sometimes in their neighborhoods skating in like just like rolling around and I don't know that usually like you know everyone you know just like you're on top of the shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now when when you see new skaters that you don't know you just like get happy. <laughs> so this is happening more often which is tells you a lot about the skate scene. Yeah. We have the park you like Stasira Park, Asira Shamali and Nablus Rosa Park is really successful. There's a lot of new kids always. There's okay. not like a lot of people. And I in Ramallah we we have classes in Syria. It's like also a youth club. More people come. The younger generation that used to skate now get better. We have like Karim, Karim Barakat, like he's one of their fucking raddest skaters. Like okay. he started skating two years and a half ago. Now he can do like fucking big spins, skate flips. He's learning tray flips. He's doing really good fucking hippie jumps. It's really nice. Yeah. He's getting older, but he's still skating. He's getting way better. His pop is enormous. <laughs> There's a couple of things that you see now and then and just like makes you aware about how far the scene have become. Yeah. But still not in the place where everything is left out. It would still roll. It would still roll, but still needs a bit of support. Still needs that backbone of getting boards in bit of volunteers to come and just like skate with the kids and like so they can get exposed on skateboard you know Cause, yeah like i'm i'm getting older i need to work for money as well i need to like find ways to get money and like i'm getting more busy yeah in life in general and just like growing up in general so i'm sure. not gonna be able to, like to always skate but now karim and the younger generation are we getting to the point where it's gonna be like self-sustained it's yeah. already self-sustained with skatepal but It's going to be more self-sustained by itself, running by itself, by the local skaters getting older and like putting right. more time and effort in it. So it's a young one. It's a young scene. Ten years are nothing. Yeah, yeah. You know? You were actually one of the very first skaters in Palestine, right? I think I heard, I read that somewhere. If not the very first one. Yes. Uh, well, you know, like four months ago, almost, I've figured that there's Palestinians in Haifa and in other cities inside like inside the territories they used to skate they have quit maybe but they used to skate so the fact of being the first skateboarder maybe could be for the west bank but okay. there were skateboarders and there were palestinians that skated before me because they were living in the palestinian israeli communities like in the under the occupation right so right. you know there's a lot of israelis who come from europe and everything so they brought skateboarding with them as well and they, they have skate shops so they were, they were exposed for the skateboarding between themselves before and earlier. Yeah. Suhail, Bassam, Basel, I think those people were skating before us. Like they were skating back in 2010, maybe even okay. earlier. But I started in 2012, me, Adham, Omar. He started in 2013, Abdullah, Melham. Abdullah is in Germany now studying. He started in 2012 almost as well. Mm -hmm. But us, we were the group of like first skateboarders in Palestine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, is uh, SkatePal only in the West Bank, or, or are you also present in, in Gaza? The NGO work, like, we don't work strictly, like, in West Bank. It's really hard to go to Gaza. If we were able to go to Gaza, I think we would have spread that way as well. Right. But the community in West Bank, the skateboarding community in West Bank supports the community in, in Gaza. So we, every time we have donations of boards, we split them in half. We keep half in West Bank and we send half of the equipments to Gaza. Yeah. And the uh, equipments we have in the West Bank, we split it in half, in Nasir, Nablus, and in Ramallah. Mm -hmm. So it's all spread out. We make sure, like me and my friends, we always make sure that half the amount goes to Gaza so there's, like, Gaza scene can continue flourishing and continue supporting. But we can't do, like, on-ground projects with them as skate path because we can't go there. But we can definitely support in other ways. Sure equipment, money, whatever they need to start their own, which mm -hmm. I really fucking kind of a bit jealous just because they don't have an NGO that they're gonna do the work. Like it's gonna take way longer. It's gonna take, it's harder. It's mm -hmm. way, it's almost kind of close to impossible, but they're fucking doing it and they're doing it well and they're doing it by themselves. 
So mm-hmm. it's gonna be like when it sticks, it's gonna be fucking concrete sticks. It's gonna be really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why do you feel like they're working harder, maybe, than in the West Bank? Like, what makes it more successful? The situation in Gaza is not even close to West Bank, man. Like Israel keeps fucking bombing Gaza every now and then. Like it's not jokes. Sometimes they bomb for almost a week straight every fucking day and nobody knows shit. Just us, just Palestinians in the West Bank and like wherever. But no media doesn't fucking cover it. Nobody's covering it. Mm-hmm. They don't have electricity, man. They have electricity four hours a day from the electricity company. Other than that, the whole fucking strip runs on gasoline generators. Wow. Uh, water. They don't have any source of healthy water. The Gaza Strip is on sea. It's fucking closed from each side. They only have almost, I think, I'm not sure where the numbers, but seven kilometers inside the sea. And that's it. If any fisherman goes beyond that, they got shot. And it happened way many times. It's really difficult. The economy is really shit. Yeah. You know, Palestinians, Gaza Strip inside and West Bank, we all, and the 48 lands in 67, all of us are like the more than 50%, it's almost like 70% are youth. And in Gaza, it's like that. It's like too many. It's like the most packed, small area in the world. If you look it up, it's a fact. Most of them, if not all of them, are youth. Youth with families and members and all that shit. And they don't have jobs. It's like, it's shit. The situation in Gaza is beyond shit. And people think, ah, yeah, but they live it. They're not fucked. Like, they're living beneath whatever life is. Especially, Mm -hmm. like, if you're going to compare it with Gaza, with West Bank, is, is that. Imagine comparing Gaza to like, I don't know, Paris or somewhere. It's beyond, beyond comprehending. Yes, man. Mm-hmm. It's really hard. So imagine all this shit happening and you're still trying to fucking live and try to make it as skateboarding or like to help other people to skate and support yourself and other people to skate there. It's amazing and it's beautiful and it's biblical. It's yeah. really fucking awesome how they live in and just the fact they lived a day. It's a victory. To finish with SkatePal, I was just curious also, we talked about the volunteers. Do you get people all year long or do you get people coming in, especially during the summer maybe when it's uh, busier with the skate classes or how often do you get people to volunteer for SkatePal? Um, usually our programs run from April till October and every each month there's a new group of people comes to Asira and Ramallah and there's like two volunteers who overlap so they can like help other volunteers like to settle in to tell them what's up and all of that things so, yeah okay basically and what about like equipment donation like uh, how does uh, SkatePal get boards do they like work with uh, board brands or with skate shops or random donations from, from just skateboarders who want to donate some equipment like how do you manage uh, equipment supply basically uh, some of this is some of that we just like accept donations in general sometimes distributions uh, speak to us and they want to help out sometimes board brands like Isle themselves or yep. like other brands they want to support and they try like to send boards it's really hard to get the boards in it takes really a long time to find an address of a trusted person that we can send the boards to and hey for someone who's like either British or Palestinian to like accept the boards, then I can ask one of my friends to go and pick them up. Okay, it's a whole process. Yes, and also one of the main source is the volunteers. So like some of the volunteers, when they come, they raise the board, like they raise funds and they collect used and new boards from whoever they can and they bring it with them. Right, 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 okay. Do you have any idea how many boards you, you managed to get throughout a year? Like, uh, is it uh, over 100 boards or more? Or? Depends. Like, this year was like a good year. Two years in Corona, we didn't have anything. So we don't have anything for a full two years. Nobody had boards. Nobody had shit. So we were like fucked and stuck in midair. Yeah. But before that, like, we do get boards. I'm not really sure if it gets 100. It does get to 100, depending on how many can, like, people get. But this year was better year. Okay. I donated us like 70 decks. The thing okay. is, like, you never get a full on setups. Sometimes, like, the, only the volunteers when they come, they like think about like getting setups and everything. But like, sometimes we get we get donations of like, let's say, 10, 20 decks, but we don't have grip tape. So we don't have trucks. Yeah, have or trucks stuff. or wheels or bearings or, yeah. So, yeah, so sometimes they lay around for like over five months with no use. Then someone brings trucks so we can like set it up and like put it aside and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But I guess the boards is probably the most uh, breakable item. The deck, sorry, is probably the most breakable thing. So, I mean, I mean the trucks, the wheels, everything, that, that they can be kept a bit longer, I guess. Yes, yes, of course. But, like, there's a lot of people, a lot of new coming skaters that who wants, like, to get on board. Yeah, and they need trucks and wheels and... Exactly, but, like, no complaining. I'm not, I'm just no, 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 of course. Yeah, no, I yeah, understand. Yeah. And so, if someone who's listening to this uh, wants to help and support SkatePal, like, what can they do? Like, uh, obviously, donate some money, maybe, on the website or something. Come and volunteer for a summer. Like, what, what's the best way to help SkatePal, basically? Donate for SkatePal on the website, for sure. But if you want to, like, if you feel like you're putting your money with no with nothing back or you don't see the immediate change, uh, you can go to the shop in SkatePal, you can get merch buy some merch oh, yeah. supporting the designers supporting the collaboration we do with artists and you are supporting the projects we have in palestine as well to yeah. keep us like running and doing things and building things come volunteer with us for sure also mm-hmm. you can just vi- just visit yeah. the skateboarder if you're hearing this just come visit just come skate with us you can there's hostels there's like places if you don't want to volunteer you can just come see the place for yourself you can like explore skate with us and yeah in general that's it Mm -hmm. and so what are maybe some of the projects you're currently working on for skatepal or not for skatepal like in the next few months or in the year to come maybe we're currently we like we built the first DIY kind of skate park in Ramallah Al Bire, Al Bire to be exact. I saw some uh, photos of that on on your Instagram, I think. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's the first one ever. It's a small, small spot, but it's worth it. It's really sick. It's really mellow. Nick Toms and Greg Holland they came from U- UK to help us. Nick from uh, Bitonk. He's really fucking rad. He's a really sick person. He's really good at building as well. Mm-hmm. He came and we learned from him how to build and everything. So the park is being built in uh, like an association called the National Usra. It's run by independent women. Okay. And there's an orphanage for girls there. And there's like uh, dorms. So we're building it like in the middle between the two buildings. So we get up to classes for the orphanage. And we didn't manage to fully complete it. But we managed to build a woolly, a quarter pipe with a hip, a ledge, a rail, and like a rolling. And we need still to build a mini ramp and a quarter pocket. Okay. But in that space, there's like water tanks. We want to remove the water tanks. We need to relocate the water to a well. So it's just taking time and logistics and money. So yeah. if you want to donate, donate for us to actually finish this. We need to be exactly 17,000 shekels, which are like $4,000 or $5,000 maximum. Okay. if we get that money, we can get two motors, pipelines, a truck. Not to buy a truck, just to get to rent a truck that can re- relocate the tanks above the building. Yeah. And if we finish that and we have the water goes to the well, then we have more space to build the quarter pocket and the mini ramp. And we'll get to donations as well. So we need a bunch of money, man, to make this happen. Yeah, but we're yeah. going to make it happen anyways. We'll try to do anything. I'm trying to find some sources of money here and there. Hopefully we yeah. find some, man. They deserve it, man. The orphanage deserve it. Ramallah and Bir deserve it. We deserve a space. Well, yeah, fingers crossed you, you managed to finish the spot soon, yeah. Inshallah, yes, fingers crossed. And so I saw recently that you got a, like a pro model sunglasses for yeah. CHPO. CHPO. Victor, you fucking legend. <laughs> so I interviewed Victor not too long ago, like a few months ago, and he told me he volunteered at SkatePal. I'm not sure what year it was, maybe three or four years ago or something. And so is that when you met him? And how did this all start basically until you got this uh, opportunity over there? Um, yeah, he, he volunteered with SkatePal, I think, in 2019. Okay. Because I was there, and in a good way, we fell in love. Man, Victor is fucking great. Yeah. Victor is the raddest person I ever met, and he loves Palestine so much. We got along, we started skating, we kept in touch. When I went to Pushing Borders in 2019, I met a girl called Nora. 
Uh, she was mm-hmm. half Swedish, half Palestinian. So I kept seeing her. Now we're like we're together now. So I had this connection with Sweden. Yeah. And I yep. baked her as well in skateboarding and everything. So every time I went to Sweden, I met him and I saw him. And we became friends mm-hmm. in general. And I was surprised because I went to Sweden. Like I went to see Nora and he surprised me. That was this summer, right? Or like in, in yeah. June or around there? June or July? In I don't remember. July. Okay. Yeah. So you got there and they surprised you with the glasses, the sunglasses? Yes. Yeah, they that's had sick. this whole thing set up and everything and went there. And yeah, I was surprised for four days, man. I was shocked. Like, <laughs> I was sometimes shocked till now. You actually just mentioned uh, pushing borders. I forgot to ask you about that. But I saw that you went there. You were part of this group discussion about like skate NGOs, basically, like SkatePal. And I think Ruby, which I interviewed uh, not too long ago as well, who does free movement in Athens with Will Ascot and everybody. So, yeah, I was just curious to know, what did you think of this whole event and and, uh, how fun was it? Basically, I'm sure you met a lot of people and got to make a lot of connections and everything. Man, it was super fun. Super fucking fun. All the people who came there were really nice. I was on the panel with Eti from India, uh, Laila from Peru. Yeah. And. There was uh, someone from Skatistan, I don't know his name, but from Skatistan in Cape Town, I believe. Yes. Uh, n- not Cape Town, Johannesburg. Johannesburg, from Johannesburg. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody was there. It's like mixing academia with skateboarding, but it's not that much of academia. It's just like giving the chance for people to speak stories and to share their thoughts and minds and mindsets of skateboarding with other people and to have it even discussed and to have it on the table for everyone is fucking nice, man. It's a really big thing. It's a big move in skateboarding world, man. Yeah. Just like share things, you know, like people who've made a lot of shit, man. There were people who were like fucking legends, man. Mm-hmm. And like to have the time to hear them out and like just like to know what they think and everything is just like it's just nice. Just like you, you feed with knowledge. Mm-hmm. And it was really fun, man. Hopefully, hopefully the skate scene in Palestine will get to the point where it's self-sustained. We don't need that much work, and SkatePal could go to another side of business. And Charlie T and Stu and other people who made pushing borders happen, they can work on pushing borders three. Yeah, I'm actually going to interview... I'm sure you've met him at uh, Pushing Borders. Uh, his name is Sander Holzgens. Yeah, yeah. Sandra, Theo, and Charlie. They're the ones who made right. Pushing Borders happen. I want to ask him about potentially a future edition of Pushing Borders. Because it, ra- it looks like a rad event. Yeah, man, convince him. I'm sure he wants to make it happen. But I guess with COVID and everything, it must have been difficult. But uh, yeah, we'll see if it can happen maybe next summer. Fingers crossed. No, convince him. Convince him. Convince him. <laughs> A lot of people. Sandro, if you're hearing this, Theo, Charlie, please just we'll work hard enough to like make less work with skateboard so you can guys go, go do pushing board. Everybody wants pushing borders, man. Every <laughs> fucking skater wants pushing borders three. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. Where do you think it should happen? Should it happen in Palestine or somewhere else? or? Uh, it's a dream if it's happened in Palestine, but we don't have the space that Brigadier had, which right. made it more fun. And Mammo, there's like shit tons of skate spots. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in Europe or Africa, maybe Tunisia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just talked about maybe it. Maybe yeah. Tunisia. We can go build something before that and do a project, like a combined project between a bunch of OGs, skate room, skate stand, make life skate life. Jungle, like concrete jungle. concrete jungle, all these organizations with Skatepal and everyone can contribute in a big ass skate park in Tunisia. And after it's built, the opening would be the opening of Pushing Border 3. Man, oh, you yeah. can do so much, man. You can do so much, so much ideas, so much ideas. It's easy <laughs> to say, but it's hard to do. <laughs> Sky is the limit, yeah. I have a few questions from friends of yours that I'm gonna have you discover in a second. Oof. Okay. I just have one last question for me, and that's what would you say is the most valuable lesson that you feel you've learned from skateboarding? But there's so many, man. There's so many things. My life is all built about skateboarding. Most valuable lesson. Be good. Be good to everyone else. Even if you had like if you're going through shit and if you're going through like really deep shit and personal shit that nobody knows about, just try to be good with everyone else. Like, I'm not saying, like, step over your feelings, step over your mind. Don't do that. But be good because you'll face the other way. You'll be happy and some other people will have shitty time and they'll be good to you, maybe. Mm -hmm. But just, like, try to be good. Try to be good with yourself. 
Also, speak to people. If you feel shit, speak to people. You don't need to like hold everything down. Keep it inside. Yeah. You don't have to keep it inside. Nothing. Speak everything out for your friends, for your family, for random skater that you just met in the park. Don't keep shit inside and just like we're all big ass family and we support each other. And yeah, man, my whole life is like a valuable lesson. It's all fucking skateboarding. So just be good. Be good to each other, man. Let's finish with the friends question. So, so this one's from Alex Aditiba. Hey, yes, Alex. So he said, "What are electrolytes, and where do you get them?" <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure what he was uh, talking about, but yeah. <laughs> you get them from Pringles. You get them from Pringles. <laughs> Pringles? What the? It's <laughs> <laughs> just an inside joke. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Pringles is uh, the recipe for good skating. Yeah, Pringles and Gatorade, water, and Dead Sea. Skating in the Dead Sea. Okay. This next one, let's see. Hey, Aram. You probably don't recognize my voice because we've only met once. Uh, but I'll give you one clue. It was at Pushing Borders in Malmo about... Ruby. Oh, four years ago? Yeah, my question's about Skate Power and about the... Like, I'm curious to know what you think the impact has, has been, whether that's, like, positive or negative effects of... The volunteer scheme so you know having multiple people each month come out and and volunteer for skate power in the west bank coming from obviously like all different places in the world i was wondering like what effects or impact you've seen on not just the local community but maybe on like a on a wider scale in terms of cultural or political things and yeah that's my question That's a big ass question with a big ass answer. I need the whole fucking podcast for that. Um, I was against like having a volunteer program after a while because it doesn't help the local leadership to develop. Like it's have a positive and negative. The negative effect of it is that it will push down the chances for leadership, local leadership to come because yeah. they always look up for the volunteers to come and the volunteers are like with the hierarchy of like, ah, oh, they're older than us, they're foreigners, they have been skating for more than us or they look like more intelligent creatures than us and they're coming to be nice with us and like skating and all that will affect the youth and the local skaters in a different way, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, at the same time, It gives a reason for the other kids also to skate, the local skaters to like have this people to skate with them, you know, like right. other people to skate and like better skateboarders or even worse. Like when a skateboarder comes and he's really fucking good, everybody's psyched. Everybody is really happy to see a really good skateboarding yeah, yeah. fucking art. And when like a normal skater comes, they think they're, they're better than them. Like, it, like it's like they feed on that also thing because they see other people skate, which is really nice as well. But the major effect and the long term effect is that local leadership will be really harder to create yeah. with the shadow of volunteers. On a wider scale, wider scale culture impact, you know, Palestine is not like Europe. So we don't have we, our culture and traditions are different. So, like, we don't drink in the streets. We don't drink to get drunk and go skate. For instance, we don't take our shirts in the skate park. You can't skate topless. You can't. Like, oh, okay. There's a bunch of, bunch of, for us, it's normal. For us, that's, like, that's not normal, but it's just, like, the traditions. So, we're, like, we got used to it growing up. Uh -huh. So, I see that sometimes it's, like, different. Like, people get, not only that, to be honest, but political. And, like, some people come, they're not fully aware. They're not aware about the situation that's in Palestine and the Israeli occupation. Yeah. They're not aware of it. They, they're un uninformed. They're uninformed, even though like Skatepod tries like to have like a apolitical side of it, but we still do speak to them. We still do like have a conversation with them just to be aware of what they're going to face and, and the situation that they will be in. Yeah. And so far, everybody who was not aware and was not informed and was not educated about the situation in Palestine, they got the chance to because they lived a month here. So they got, they heard stories, they yeah. saw things, they lived things, they had experience with kids and they saw the impact of occupation on the youth. So they had uh, better, like better information and better things because they were in real life. Mm -hmm. So there's a positive effect of people who come not aware they go back home and they start doing shit because they were in the thing, you know? Yeah, 
they have a better understanding of the situation over there. And, yes, you know. of course. And sometimes you have straight people and just like, they come, they go, like nothing happened and it doesn't matter. But like mm. overall, our aim is to stop the program in a way we can open another program or something else that mm -hmm. will still let people to use this window to come to Palestine in skateboarding, but not in officially as this one, which we have a plan, like a better one, like a fully structured one, which we are working on, me and my friend Nijad, who works with us as well, coordinator. Okay. Nijad Kurdi. We're working on a plan that we we still like test, not testing mode. It's, it's tricky, man. It's tricky to manage personalities and it's tricky to figure out the best way to inform and to imply leadership in kids, especially youth. Yeah. So we're trying to find a way to do that and we're still working on it. But like in two years time, three time, like that's our aim, just like to finish everything. Because in Pushing Borders, I mentioned that, I mentioned that we like it's not that much of a thing we should have rely on but we still did because on the ground we still needed them we still needed volunteers yeah. we still you know sometimes even when i'm saying this like i group all the skaters and volunteers you know but they're not only volunteers they're fucking people skaters are friends we befriended with them that we have like in contact with them so like for everyone who came to skate and like skated with us i'm not categorizing you guys as volunteers only but i'm just like saying in general i'm speaking in general and like in complete honesty. longer term yeah. yeah yes exactly and everybody knows that like even the people who came we like every time we have like conversation with the volunteers who come they always like we always end up on the same page of yes a leadership local leadership is way important than people just coming and there's so much opportunities and different options for skatepal to imply to get still get people and get funds but in a other way that could help the leadership of local skaters to overcome everything else yeah, 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 yeah. all right this next question is from omar hatab oh uh, omar hatab So yes, I'm I'm not sure if I understood his question correctly, but from what I understood he asked, how long have you been skating? And if you were able to go back in time, would you have picked up a skateboard? Yeah, Omar knows I've been skating for 10 years and yes, me and him always speak about it. Me and him always had this wish to go back in time and to pick up a board when we were like four. Oh, okay. You wish you had started earlier than you did? Earlier, yes. Okay, yes. okay. Alright, let's do the next one. Sure, Yaki. Two very important questions. First of all, where else are you thinking of doing DIY stuff? I love the work that you did in Elbita and I'm wondering if there's any other plans. You know I'm a big fan of DIY and would love to see Palestine covered with some of them. Second of all, what's your favorite trick at the moment? Don't act like I didn't see that fakey backside heel flip down the hill GX1000 style. Anything else you're cooking? <laughs> Did you recognize the voice? Yeah, man, of course. That's man, man, Hamad. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So another uh, skate pal buddy of yours. Yeah. And also a dear friend and a, a ripper. I miss him. He's in the USA now with his fiance or wife. And I miss him. I miss man. Man is a really great friend mm -hmm. and really great skater. Um, yeah, the DIY. We're gonna finish the first, like we're gonna start funding for the, the spot that I told you guys about, yeah, yeah. which is like to finish it. And we're trying to find like random spaces that we can build a DIY. There's one on the mountain top, man. I'm gonna speak in Arabic a bit. Yeah, yeah. The one in Nankin, And the other question, I'm trying to work on hard flips to get them better. Okay. At the moment. And to lock my backsmith for longer rides, longer grinds. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yes. Both dope tricks, yeah. This next question, this one is from uh, Danny Abulhawa, also from hey. Skate Congratulations, Danny. Yeah, yeah, she just had a kid. That's right, yeah. Yes. So she said, what do you think SkatePal, both the charity as a whole and the volunteers, could do differently or better to support Palestinian communities? The other part of her question is, what are your hopes for the future of skateboarding in the West Bank? Well, we kind of answered the first one, but I really vaguely, I guess, I'm not sure. But um, it's a really good question. Well, first of all, like the future of skateboarding in the West Bank, 
I really wish that the fucking municipalities give us land so we can build more parks. It's really hard. They do have lands, but they act like, like it's... We don't have lands. Um, <laughs> to build more parks, to teach more kids, to teach more kids, to teach more kids, to teach kids how to teach kids. Yeah, and yeah, the kids yeah. will teach the other kids how to teach kids, and so the kids can teach the kids how to teach kids, <laughs> and everybody will teach kids, you know? Just fucking focus on the youth. Yeah. And... Hopefully they can compete and they can travel and they get sponsored and they get this thing going on for their life and they can use it for their day-to-day life and everything else. All right, uh, let's see. Salam alaikum, Sadiqi. Kif alak. It's your Swedish friend, Victor. I hope you're well. Well, first I have one question for you. If uh, someone was to visit was to visit Palestine for the very first time, where would you take them to, you know, show them the best of Palestine? And second, please tell the world about your sauna experience when you were here in Sweden. Looking forward to hearing the episode and looking forward to seeing you soon. Take care, my man. <laughs> so that was Victor Telligen from uh, CHPO. Yes, Victor. New biblical masterpiece. <laughs> um... So the best spot for you to show to someone in Palestine? Dead Sea. Dead Sea. Dead Sea. Dead Sea. Jericho. <laughs> Jericho is the oldest city. is like 10,000 years old. And Dead Sea is a dead sea. Yeah. It's obvious <laughs> with the name. You can float in it. And there's a abandoned park, like abandoned water park that we skate in. It's oh, really, really good. Nice. Nice. Yeah, it's a nice place. It's the spot that I like to go sometimes. just like to get away for everything. There's like a bunch of spots also, like there's like beautiful places, Janine, Bethlehem, Khalil, Nablus, but like Dead Sea, Jericho, or Jericho in general is nice. It's beautiful. It's like the lowest point on earth. Really? It's oh, wow. Something, uh, something unique. It's really nice. Yeah, I'm sure. And so what was the second question? Like the, the sound uh, experience? The experience or? of the sound. Man, the Swedish are crazy. Like they go to a, like a fucking 15, 20 minutes in a sauna, butt naked. In a sauna with like 20, 15 of them. And they go immediately after the butt naked sauna. They go to <laughs> butt naked sea, man. It's fucking cold. Sweden is cold. So they go dip in the sea. And it was my first time ever to experience that with Victor. And he was like, I'll take you to sauna. And he didn't explain <laughs> anything else. So I went there. I was like fucking shocked. I was like, oh, yeah. damn, this is weird. <laughs> it's a nice place. It's a nice experience. It's real, it was really nice. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, it must be strange the first time you do it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, this next question, so it's not audio, so I'm going to read it to you. It's from uh, Charlie Davis. So he said, what would be your dream trick down the triple block at the plaza? So I think I saw footage of this spot in uh, one of the documentaries I watched about SkayPal. And uh, I think uh, Charlie was trying like tray flips over it or something. Yeah. Is that that spot? Yes, same spot, that spot, triple set. So what would be your dream trick over there? Switch heel. Switch heel, okay. Yeah. Have you tried it already or? No, man, no. I need to get my switch heel way better than I do now. Okay. But yeah, switch heel. You'll see it, you'll see it in a year, almost a year. I'm still like, a, <laughs> I injured myself two days ago, so I'm gonna oh, really? okay. stay off the board for a week, then come back, learn it, and try it. I need to try both other tricks down the block, like the three set. I need to try tray flip, heel flip, like a bunch of tricks before I get to switch heel. Okay. Just for my, my mental obstacle. Yeah, I look forward to seeing that, yeah. Inshallah. The other question he had is, if you were not involved in working with skateboarding in Palestine right now, what do you think you would be doing at this stage of your life instead? I think I would have been dead. Wow, okay. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's I an honest, be... uh, dark answer, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I strongly believe that I would have got caught up in shit and either passed away or like fucked off from Palestine and just went somewhere else in my life I don't I can't imagine myself to be honest like sometimes I do think about this question and like calculate the risks calculate everything in my life but like yeah as I said well thank god skateboarding came into your life then fucking saved my life saved my ass all right I have two last questions let's do this one yo Ram this is Ryan Lay Big fan. Love your heel flips. All right. What is one thing, or it could be a few things, about Palestine and Palestinian culture that you want the world to know about? 
This could be a common misconception or just something unique that maybe no one knows about who's never visited. All right, Ryan, I miss you, man. You said you're going to come this month. Where are you at? <laughs> I'm trying to think. Um, food. We have delicious food, first of all. Second of all, we are very, very, very hospitality. Like, I don't know how to say in English, but we are hospitality. We have hospitality. Yeah, like you're very w- welcoming, very... We're very welcoming. Surprisingly overwelcoming. Yeah, and sometimes it's over. Like, you, you, you just <laughs> like, shut up, house. I don't... Thank you. You just <laughs> push people away. People could think that we're, like, really hardcore and some kind of a terrorist, but we're not. We're really nice. We're really nice people. Uh, you can be surprised. Also, we have really sick hells for skateboarding. Really big ones. Yeah, yeah. Misconception. I'm not really sure when people... People misconcept Palestinians in a lot of things, and we're not them. We are better, we are nicer, and we are great people. We should be uh, in the UN nation uh, statue. <laughs> and misconception, Palestine is not only the West Bank, it's a whole fucking country, people. Yep. And it's not only the West Bank and Ramallah, no. It's Haifa, Yafa, Nasre. Let all of these people like Jerusalem. It's all fucking Palestine, Gaza. It's mm-hmm. like from the river to the sea. It's everywhere. It's Palestine. So don't think West Bank only in the West Bank is Palestine. No. All right. Please stop it. It's all Palestine. All right. Let's finish with the last question. So the first time I met Aram, he was standing outside my house crying. That might sound weird, but there's a perfect logical explanation to it. I was invited by Victor from CHPO to surprise Aram for his pro glasses on CHPO, uh, getting funding via sales to support SkatePal, which is one of the best skate initiatives in the world. And I want to take this opportunity to say thank you, Aram, for everything you do for the skaters in your community. I had never met him before, but I knew straight away that this was someone who I wanted to befriend. And I think it's safe to say that before he left Sweden a week later, he became my friend. We spent every day together, every morning skating, filming, looking for spots. And I realized on the first day that he has this friendly air about him that people seem to pick up on and everywhere we went people just treated him so well and even when we got kicked out of spots the people trying to make us leave stayed and socialized with Aram and it made me wonder what's his take on kindness and was there something in his upbringing that taught him to be that friendly And on the other side, I'm curious to know what really pisses him off. Thanks, Aram. Hope to see you soon. That's John. That's Jan. Don Nicholas. Long but nice question. Yes. We got really close, man. Uh, We were both born on the same day. 2nd of February. Okay. We have the same birthdays. And we clicked, man. I miss him. Also, Jan is really kind as well. We both have the same thing. I haven't met him, but uh, yeah, he looks like a very kind man for sure, yeah. He is, and he's like one of the OGs in Sweden, and he's yeah. principal in the Brigariet, man. He's really doing the shit, man. He's an OG, OG. Like, he's a legend. For sure. I was lucky enough to spend time with him and be friend with him. Um, I don't know, man. It's a hard question to answer, like, without sounding egotistical. Um... My mom, my mom raised me well, man. My mom really raised me well. Take no shit, but do no harm. And after a while of doing this, you just see. And if you actually do good, good comes to you, man. Mm-hmm. And if you be kind with people, whatever they are, whoever they are, there's always a soft spot in people. And I kind of developed this skill of noticing that spot from the eyes. And I can see a person if you're vulnerable enough to like say a couple of words to them and they like soften up yeah and what pisses me off is sorry for people who does it but um that's also like a diagnosed disorder as well it's like when people eat but they like shoot really loud like they open their mouth this is just this is trick like triggers me the shit out of people (laughs) and 
it's sometimes hard to like navigate around because you can't just tell someone you just that with like oh, how can you do that yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's hard to say that's someone for sure yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's a really good one <laughs> <laughs> perfect yeah let's wrap it up here thank you so much man really appreciate no you worries. taking the time thank you i'm honored thank you for having me that's it for my conversation with Aram. Follow him on Instagram at Aramsaba, A-R-A-M-S-A-B-B-A-H. Follow SkatePal at skate underscore pal and support them by donating on their website skatepal.co.uk and or buying some of their merch. While you're at it, go visit chpobrand.com to pick up a pair of Aram's Pro Model sunglasses. I'll put some links up in the description to other things we talked about, such as documentaries about SkatePal or the NGO talk at Pushing Borders Malmo in 2019, which Ram participated in. Thank you for tuning in. See you soon for a new episode of Beyond Boards. <laughs> <laughs>